We continue with our kingdom parables from Matthew 13. And just like uh, last week when we broke open the parable of the mustard seed, let's do that today with the parable of the hidden treasure. The way to understand these parables is through the background, like in this case the agrarian culture of the Jews, but also their religious beliefs and histories help to really understand what Jesus is saying. But here's what we need to know from the very beginning. Like last week, when Jesus says what he says today, the Jews are hearing this and saying, this is ridiculous. The parable does not make sense to them. So let's get into it. Because that's exactly Jesus' point. Is he's presenting an absurd situation in order to be able to turn their values upside down in order to be able to show kingdom values. Kingdom meaning and how to live according to the kingdom of heaven here and now and in the, in the age. Okay, so the primary audience for him listening, remember, is an agricultural audience. That's how they make their living. And there are two types of persons who work the land. There's the owners who own the land, and there's the hired workers who work the land. And both of them would have scratched their head at this parable. The owners would have said, why? I would, yes, I bury my treasure in my land because there's really no banking system. There is, but there really isn't in Jesus' day. So most people, they buried their treasure in their backyard or in their field. And he, he's saying to himself, the owner, listen, I, I would never bury it on the surface of which you're going to dig it up to do a farm. It would always be somewhere out of the way or it would be deeper. Only I would know where it is. So this doesn't make sense. And the worker would think to himself, um, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either because I'm a worker. And if I would find a treasure, obviously I wouldn't be the one who's owning it, and so, but I also wouldn't be the one who could buy it. I couldn't take all of the stuff that I own and sell it and still have enough to buy this land in order to obtain this treasure. So this is a ridiculous story. And again, that's Jesus' point. The man who um, hears this and says, as the worker, so I, if I found a treasure, if I just happened to find it, I wouldn't buy it, I would steal it. So let's get into that one first. That's just Jesus' point. Is that there's no way that you can steal the kingdom of heaven. You can't steal the kingdom of heaven. Just like the man who's working the land wouldn't be able to steal the treasure because it would never be in a place where he could find it on his own. Only the owner could point it out for him to dig up. And again, this is what Jesus is trying to get at. And the reason why is because how we see ourselves obtaining the kingdom of heaven. For the Jews, they had reduced getting into heaven so far down, they had dumbed it down so much that it was only through the law the law of Moses, that they saw themselves being able to get into heaven. And this was never God's intentions from the beginning. The law comes later as a concession. 
because the hearts of the Jews were so hardened. But before that, think about the first covenant that God makes with humanity through Adam and Eve. He doesn't make all these demands about good and bad. Rather, what he says is, listen, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you all the goods of the earth. And you're going to be in a forever relationship with me. All you have to do is just take all the good that I give you. But not this over here. And this, that tree of knowledge of good and evil, I don't ever want you to have an experience of evil. What is the evil? An absence of God. That's the only condition. And, and we couldn't meet that. We suspected that this world had things to offer that God was holding back on us. And that we can make our heaven here on earth. And so time and again, God makes these covenants. And basically what he says is, the covenant is this. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And as my people, I'll take care of you. Every need of yours. And still we didn't buy that. And so what does God do? Through Moses, he strikes a covenant, a contract, if you will. And the Jews, they look at the law of Moses and they say, this is how I'm, I'm going to save myself. Is I'm going I'm to follow the laws that talk about doing good. And I'm going to, and then I'm going to not follow the things that are bad, that are evil. Thou shall not. And if I just do these two things, then I'll be able to get into heaven. And Jesus is telling us through this simple parable, again, the Jews would have understood the background. I'm just giving the background so that we can understand this one-sentence parable. That we can't steal heaven. And we mustn't lie to ourselves that we can steal heaven. The law doesn't save us. And we have become the Jews of the modern age, haven't we? We've dumbed down Christianity so much that we think that the way that we're going to get into heaven is that we're good people. And so as long as I do good things with my life and I avoid bad things, evil things, then I'll get into heaven. But that's a lie. But this is what we've been raised in. And this is what we're telling ourselves about our brothers and sisters who are not practicing their faith. Oh, they're a good person. They do good things. But they can't save themselves by their works. And God is teaching the Jews that. And this is an eternal truth for every age. And so he's teaching that to us today. You can't steal heaven. No matter what we think, and how we justify our actions by our thinking. Which leads to the next point. You can't buy your way into heaven. The persons who would have heard this passage, this parable, the workers would have understood this. I can't, there's no amount of my possessions that I own, if I cash them all in for value, would I be able to buy this land in order to obtain this treasure? even if I could find the treasure, which I can't on my own. 
The same goes for us today. I mean, think about our lives. And think about what, therefore, we treasure. Think about all the time and the energy and the effort and the space of our years that we pour into other treasures. Like our education and our athletics and the accomplishments and the goals of athletics. As good as they are, they're not evil. But they're not the treasure. Or they shouldn't be the treasure that we treasure above the kingdom of God. And think about how much we pour into our careers, into our homes, into our yards, into our relationships, as good as they are, spouses and children and family and and good friends and boyfriends and girlfriends. Think about how much we pour ourselves into them. And even though they're good, they are not greater than the greatest good, the treasure, which is the kingdom of heaven. And here's the thing. If at the end of our lives, we take all that we have been spending the majority of our lives on and treasuring and pursuing and and protecting and collecting, and we cash them all in, Not one of them and not all of them together can get us into heaven. So how is it that we treasure them more than the one thing that can bring us an eternal treasure that no one can take away? How is it that we've come to this? And so Jesus is showing us by this absurd parable that you cannot buy your way into heaven by all the treasures that you collect along the way. Which leads to the next part of this one-sentence parable. And so the man, after he finds a treasure in joy, he goes off and sells everything that he has in order to purchase it. Again, we can't buy it. Jesus knows it. The people of his time know that. But, but, Jesus' point is this. Unless we let go of everything else in our lives, or are willing to let go of everything else in our life, or that we're not going to treasure them above the treasure of God and a relationship with God and a life lived for God, then we'll never have enough room in our lives in order to have this treasure of Jesus will have filled up with so many other treasures that there literally is no room in our life, in our lifestyle, in our way of thinking, what we set our hearts upon, what we spend our time upon for the greatest treasure of all. And it's not either that God's going to ask us once we find Jesus as a treasure and really concentrate on him, that he's going to ask us to let go of everything else. What he's going to ask us to do is the willingness to let go of the primacy of everything else. And not only so that we might have treasure for him, but here's the key. So that we might treasure him above all else. Because think about it. When we sacrifice, or are willing to sacrifice things other that we really value, we really love, we really need, we really want 
for another thing, then that thing that we sacrifice for takes on even greater value. And Jesus, therefore, is trying to focus us and saying, if you're willing to let go of all this other stuff, then you will come for this, for the treasure, for the kingdom of God, for heaven, for a relationship with me, then you'll treasure it all the more and you'll never allow other things to displace this one treasure. And you will always cherish this one treasure because you sacrificed a great deal in order to obtain it. Which leads to the next point. We don't own the land. The person that Jesus is talking about in today's gospel parable doesn't own the land. That's why he goes off and tries to sell everything in order to obtain it. And the land, in our case, is not a farmland that has a treasure. The land is our own life. The land of our brains, our minds, the land of our hearts, of our souls, and our lives. But here's the thing about that. We think that we actually own our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our lives. We say that all the time, and we hear that said all the time. Don't tell me what to do with my body. I own my body. I will decide what to do with my body. I'll decide what to do with my relationships. I'll decide what to do with my life. I determine my future. And so on and so forth, right? And yet it's a lie. And if you follow the parable, it's a, Jesus, what he's trying to say to us is that the owner owns the land. And the owner, in the case of the land of our bodies and our lives, the owner is God. But, but, if we recognize this about our lives, and we go and do the work of the one who owns our lives, then we will discover what it is that he wants us to discover. Remember, he knows where the treasure is. And he literally will point it out and say, dig here. And we will find that treasure. Because we're following the directions of the owner of the land rather than trying to direct our own life. You see, the mistake we made is this, and we make it over and over again, is that we've mistaken ownership for freedom. Yes, we are free. God created us free. But just like in the parable, the man who's the hired man, he knows that he doesn't own the land, but he also knows he's free to walk. But once he's, he walks, he voids the contract the conditions of the contract, and the benefits of the contract. And because we've gotten the two confused, we think that just simply because I am, and I am free, that I own. No, we've been given freedom in order to be able to discover God on our own, yes, and in order to be able to choose Him because there is no love without freedom, and then having discovered the kingdom of God in our life, we choose that kingdom above all else. 
And so while the kingdom of God is a gift that the owner of the land actually gives to us, we don't steal, we don't buy, it is one that we have to choose and respond to with our freedom. Which leads to the last point. And that is that um, once we have the treasure, it's not just for us. It's meant to be given away. I mean, think about it just in this sense. If this guy comes across this treasure and he takes the treasure home, and it's a bunch of diamonds and gold and, all, and jewelry and all kinds of emeralds and all that kind of, just beautiful, big treasure. And he hoards it for himself. He cherishes it. He loves it. He's got his hands in it every day. He counts it. It's valuable to him. But then he doesn't spend it to provide food for himself and his family. And a house over his head. And clothes on his back. And to take care of others. No, in the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, this is, like, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is when once you find the treasure, you spend it. It's no good if you just keep it to yourself. You have to share it. And in our day and age, our challenge is this. All of us grew up under this commandment. Thou shalt not share your faith. Let me say it in a more secular sense. Religion is a private thing. You're not to share it, and it's not to be a part of the government, and education, and culture, and sports, and our relationships. And we're not to go out, how do not share your values with me. Do not impose your beliefs upon me. And on and on we go with our little mottos that we bought in hook, line, and sinker, but it's a lie. It's contrary to everything that the gospel speaks about. The gospel, by the way, euangelion in Greek means good news. And when you have good news, you're meant to share it with everyone else. But somehow along the way, we bought into this motto of our culture that religion is a private thing. And we've even got to a point where we find ourselves on a church on Sunday, cherishing this treasure, having our hands in it, being very devoted to God, having a prayer life, and all those other kind of things, but then never sharing it. And sharing it most of all with the ones who are not here and that we're most concerned about and we love them most, let alone the rest of the world. And the last part of that is this. That's the only way we're going to get into heaven. And it's the only way those that we love and care about, we're going to be able to help them get into heaven too. Because this parable is about Jesus. And I'm going to leave you for that, to think about every part of what I just said and see how it's about him and about you. It's about him because he's the one and he's the treasure and he's the son of the landowner who the landowner sent and he joined us in our human nature and he leased out the land of his life, of his body, of his mind, of his soul, our human nature. 
Just like God has given that to us. And he knows that you can't buy your way into heaven. And you can't steal your way into heaven. And he knows that he's got to convince you to treasure him above all else. So he shows us how much he loves us. And that on the cross, he empties everything that he has. And across his ministry and in his resurrection, he empties everything. He gives the whole treasure away, hoping that we, that we point it out and say, there, dig there, take this, live it, cherish it, and then share it. And the only way that we ever got, had the hope of getting into heaven, because heaven was closed before he came into earth, is that once he lived all these things, he was empty. And when he went up into heaven, the Father then filled him with everything that he emptied out onto us in order to save us. And if we take his name, that's the only way we're going to get into heaven, according to this parable. And the only way we're ever going to be able to help one another get into heaven is if we spend our lives not just treasuring our faith and holding on to it, preserving it, but sharing it and emptying our faith out into the lives of other people so that when we do die and are stand before God in heaven, he will fill us up with an eternity of treasure far greater than we lived for or we gave away.